0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Derek Ficken of Beckett Media. I've served many roles there as I did when I was there, but I'm not there anymore. But I'm right. a fan. man. I'm going to enjoy talking to Derek for the next uh, 15 minutes. But first, thanks, sponsors. Uh, I shouldn't say first and foremost, but certainly Beckett Media is a sponsor with Beckett Creating, Beckett Authentication, all the different Beckett entities, but also ComSea, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, as well as Topps, Panini, and Upper Deck. All entities that Derek probably has interactions with because of course a little bit of everything but today Derek welcome to the show I want to see I want to uh, let uh, the, the listeners know some of your origin story kind of your mostly your pre-Beckett days because you're you know I remember the people that we hired we hired them because we thought they could really contribute and that was based on things they had done leading up to the time they came into the employ of the company but tell us about your hobby origin story and, and uh, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah. Thank you, sir. It's glad to be here. And uh, yeah, really the, the uh, starting point for me. And I think, you know, the reason why I was originally brought on uh, was my radio experience. Before Beckett, I was, you know, majoring in music business with a communications minor was able to intern with CBS Radio, now Intercom Radio, with uh, 100.3 Jack FM here in the DFW Metroplex, as well as uh, 98.7 K-Love, KBIL and uh, Mega, which is the Spanish sister station. Did internship there, was also the board operator, producer, I mean, programmer for commercials, voiceover talent, you know, doing that and loving every second of it, but, you know, was wanting to find a a nice little career. And so I was able to get in contact with Mr. Dan Hitt who, you know, was awesome in getting me into the whole Beckett, you know, family. And I think my radio experience helped get my foot in the door because his really one of the main things that he brought up was him wanting to redo or restart the podcast, right. the radio show that Beckett had way back in the day. And I was all game for it. And and that's really what I started doing. So yeah.
0: What what was your well first of all, just on the radio thing, were you born with this voice? Or did you <laughs> your voice to have no. a, an excellent radio voice?
1: No, yeah, no training. This is this is 100% all natural is what I call it. The the guys here, they, they, I guess, make fun of me, you know, with the voice, but this is all me. I, I do absolutely nothing. I am literally just talking. So yeah, kind of neat.
0: Okay. So, but your hobby origin story, I mean, what was your first uh, memory of uh, collecting? Were you a serious collector as a kid or as a teenager? I mean, where, where did collecting, especially sports cards, come in for you?
1: For sure. Yeah. Basically, it started here in Texas and at SMP Sports Cards. So shout out to the Pierce's over there in Grapevine. That's that's where I grew up. And I was actually, before they were SMP, I was at the Gun Barrel store, the grass station. Only a few people might remember that off of, of the South Lake uh, Boulevard area. But basically, my dad uh, would pay me to uh, mow his lawn or our lawn with baseball cards, basketball cards, and a Slurpee afterwards. So my collecting habits started there. I was always about buying the Beckett books, the, the thick yearly books. And I would stay up late at night when I couldn't sleep and catalog all my basketball cards and baseball cards and just kind of you know I'm a huge sports fan obviously so it just kind of collated great with with collecting and watching sports you know every day.
0: Was it mainly baseball back in those days or were you covering? Yeah it was a lot of baseball I would say baseball and basketball
1: were my main two focuses and then football right behind that I, I did have a little bit of hockey you know being raised in the Bay Area so San Jose Sharks were really all i collected and then mike madonna because him in the 90s i mean you know with dallas so but i was a little bit of everything you know pokemon and dragon ball z too you know when i was a kid was was really big and and so i was you know doing a lot of that and my dad was traveling to japan um in the early 2000s so every time he would come back he would bring some packs of the japanese pokemon cards so i have a lot of uh, Pokemon cards and in, in Japanese and still have them to this day. I have one graded that has a nice little black label 10 on it. So it's uh, it's something that I'll never forget.
0: Wow. Yeah. You, uh, you know, you've done a little bit of everything and I, I don't really want to get into your Beckett career too much uh, today, but yeah. what one misconception that people have since you brought it up is that there are, there's a percentage of the population that you may be in that I'm not that can look at a card and say, this has a really good chance of being a, a 10 or even a black label. So you feel like you have that skill or were you just shocked that you put in a random Pokemon card and it came out black label?
1: Back then, when I first started, I really had no experience with with condition, you know, markings. But over the years and, you know, the many shows that I've traveled to and the many cards that I've seen, you know, I've picked up a few things. And once again, I have no formal training with actual grading. It's just things that I picked up and things that the graders, you know, have have kind of showed me. But it's really if I think something's centered nice and there's no ding corners. Heck, i'm gonna I'm gonna try it out and, and see what happens so
0: were you in your collecting experience were you more of a collector or were you part dealer what, what did you do if you had extra cards
1: I was all collecting I, I hated I hated getting rid of cards I hated trading cards too you know being on the playground I would always think that um, the person I would be trading with is trying to one- up me or, or try and get um, you know a better deal so I was a little type of a person where I would keep it close to my chest and I had my own little collection and whatever I did with it was was my little unique thing so yeah, I didn't really do any sort of dealing, anything along those lines, really, ever. So,
0: You know, one of the positives of not selling or not having a posture of being interested in selling is you don't have to worry about what your favorite cards are, that, that oh. are <laughs> not for sale or not for trade, because none of them are for sale or for trade, and you just enjoy yeah. what you have. Well, how did you organize your cards? Were you organized, or were you just, because some, some, <laughs> some kids are more analytical, and some are just, hey, I yeah, got hey. a bunch of cards.
1: Yeah, I I was very OCD with my collection uh, and my parents will still bring it up to this day. I had my baseball cards divvied out in binders based on Grapefruit League and Cactus League because I had family. I still have family in in Arizona. So I based my baseball collection on that. Uh, My basketball collection was Eastern Conference, Western Conference, then by team. It it was it was very intense. And then football was just by teams. So it was
0: uh, that organizational structure lends itself extremely well to hmm. collectors that are looking for autographs exactly like, oh, so were you into uh getting a cards autograph personally at the, oh, oh yeah at the it, it, league, it, it was National league and
1: oh yeah yeah i was i was huge into getting it wasn't really cards it was more baseballs I, I have i mean not thousands but i have so many baseballs of of random teams signed you know minor leaguers or you know one-off guys i also have you know the the stars you know barry bonds wouldn't really sign for anyone except kids so I was lucky enough to, to, you know, have him sign a baseball. Trevor Hoffman wouldn't really sign for, for guys except for kids. So it was great the, the time that I grew up and the week that I would spend with my aunt and uncle out in, in Arizona, I would just literally sit um, at Peoria, uh, get a lot of Padres, Mariners, and Griffey, got, got a Griffey autograph and just enjoy it. Whoever I could get, I would have it on a baseball and some of those names I don't remember, but I remember the memories. And in my opinion, that's really all that matters. What, what were the, you
0: know, what, what were the ages that you didn't collect?
1: Uh great question. It was it was into high school. I would say probably, let's see, I would say junior year of high school, I started getting more into music and girls than baseball and basketball cards. And into college, I didn't have any money and I didn't really have any time other than having to practice, you know, my my saxophone. So and then out of college, it was all about radio, you know, figuring out, you know, how I can make this work as, as a as a career. So really my collecting didn't restart until I got into Beckett and and it just you know, exploded from there.
0: So they saw your versatility and that you did have a passion for cards, but you had this other talent that maybe they thought they could add to uh, the thing. That uh, no. you know, you're a radio pro. Uh, compare sure. and contrast, because there are no rules when we do these podcasts. That's one of the differences <laughs> between podcasting and radio. But what are the right? differences between radio, which you grew up with, and podcasting mm-hmm. now, which is not supplanting radio, but is mm-hmm. a, a little bit different form? So what are the differences yeah. that you see? uh, between, you know, like radio and, and podcast?
1: Yeah, no, great question. I think, you know, traditional radio, mainstream radio is there's so many rules um, that come into play. You have to be in at a certain time and out at a certain time, because if you don't get those commercials played, you know, there's no money coming in. And when there's no money coming in, there's a lot of issues. And, and for someone like myself, who was a board operator, I was a body, you know, I was, a, I was a finger pusher, a button pusher. And if I missed a, even one little commercial, you know, I was, I was in big trouble. Um, So, that you know, the big difference with with that compared to podcasting, podcasting, you can talk about whatever you want for however long you want, yeah. um, and you can do it wherever. You know, we're on Zoom right now, and we can make it work, whereas, you know, regular radio, you have to be in the studio at a certain time. If, Like I said, if you don't press those buttons, they're not going to be played, and dead air is the worst thing you can do um, at a radio station, including, you know, being at a top five radio station, which Dallas is,
0: so… You know, Derek, I want to, I want to have you back for another episode where we just talk about kind of what you're doing now, but your entry into Beckett Media, was that more about helping relaunch the podcast or did they, you know, just on the front end? You know, looking back at it, I think,
1: you know, I think it was a little bit to do with the podcast. I think there were talks of trying to get another outlet, media outlet going other than just, you know, the magazines and the online, you know, editorial. So I think it was just another way to get out there. You know, podcasting when I came in in 2013 was you know pretty pretty new, and it was something to where we had the equipment still from when you guys had it in the 90s or or, or you know whenever. And so I just kind of had to fine tune it a little bit. But I think my Excel work for pricing was was better than the other guy that that I was kind of fighting for that job. And so it was a mixture of you know both the experience with radio on top of you know my collecting knowledge you know when I was a kid and Excel work because I'm pretty good with computers. So it was a, a nice little, you know, combination of many things.
0: That's good. What, you know, on the the, the podcasting thing, when it, it we really did start back in the 90s, and I think it was in the mid-90s with uh, a guy, Greg Cromarty that I'd actually okay. known that was not really so much in the hobby, but was a, a radio pro mm-hmm. that was a, a friend, but a friend of a friend for sure. And so yeah. he came over once a week or a couple times a week, and we called it internet radio. Because yeah. it was just it was just put out, but there wasn't. I don't know that podcasting was even a thing, and so yeah. these uh, directories, or I don't, I don't even know how people found it, and mm. uh, I don't know that it was live. And then after a while, Rich Klein became a not a permanent guest, but, there, but he'd have a Klein's Corner uh, or a, a trivia kind of thing <laughs> to do, and you know, sure. I, I just remember from back now. This has been now twenty five years ago mm. that the the problem with Rich is that he his only problem. Not his only problem, but, but the problem became his trivia questions were questions that only he could answer. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's <laughs> so a big problem with he Rich. You give, <laughs> give great prizes, but then no one could get the prize. So. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not how radio works. In radio or podcasting, you want there to be winners, and you want them yes. to, to tell their friends. You so, got to have um, those
1: softball questions, yeah.
0: So the, the, the not too easy, but Rich is is uh, is. Awful good. He's kind of a national champ for trivia. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, uh, and another example of uh, a person on the Becca team that had a lot of versatility. That that when Rich was hired, it wasn't for one specific duty. It was mm-hmm. the fact this is a sharp guy like like you, uh, Derek. He's gonna he's a quick study, and so I want those kind of guys on my team. So Sure. He came yeah. after I was gone, but I'm glad you're there. We're kind of out of time, Derek. I'm gonna have to have you back. <laughs> And we'll of course, talk of about course. your 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 kind of Beckett experience because you've done a whole bunch of things there. And that, you know, one of the ways I look at these podcasts is I, I I want to create episodes that I would be interested in listening to. So of I've course, yeah, today. I'll enjoy having you back. And uh, thanks, listeners. Thanks, Derek. We'll be back at the bar with another episode.